0: Brazos Stories with Hugh Stearns is a podcast that encompasses the characters and stories of the Brazos Valley, as the fabric of a community is woven from the threads of the stories of the people who reside within. In this podcast, Hugh, a local business owner and lifelong resident of the Brazos Valley, interviews individuals you may know or should know who are contributing to our community life.
1: The mission of this podcast is to tell the stories of the Brazos Valley that will create a stronger sense of community in a way that will build bridges across the many divides that exist in most communities. Our goal is increased understanding and empathy in the belief that it will lead to stronger and healthier community. We do this because our mission at Sterns Design Build is to design and build health and happiness. We seek to do this in, our, in the homes of our clients and in the broader community as well. Today we're speaking with Rusty Surrett, who everybody I think knows. Uh, welcome, Rusty.
2: Thank you so much for having me. This is truly an honor, and I I appreciate it so much.
1: Yeah, we want to. You know, everybody sees you nightly or daily, or you're everywhere. It seems like. So we just want to make sure that people kind of have a sense of your history and kind of what you're all about. So, and I know you started really young. Can you kind of tell us your the, the rusty story up to the point uh, where you came to town?
2: Sure, absolutely. Um, I, I went a non-traditional route in our journalism world, and my interest in TV started in high school. Thankfully, I wasn't very popular. I didn't have many friends. I was kind of a nerd. I was a homebody in in high school, and um, uh, I I had an interest in becoming a police officer. I wanted to be in law enforcement for for personal reasons. And uh, one thing that my family helped me do it to put me on that path is they got me a police scanner when I was really young. I think I was in middle school actually when I got my first police scanner, and I would I would listen to that thing night and day. And then when I was in high school, they bought me uh, my first video camera. And Hugh, we remember these these were the big video cameras um, that we would have to put on our, yes, that we'd have to put on our shoulders. And, um, uh, you know, they took the big VHS tapes. And so uh, what I would do is listen to the police scanner. And if I heard something interesting uh, that was nearby, I'd hop on my bicycle and I would go to where there was a car wreck or, you know, a fire or something that was happening. And I would videotape, it. just, it it allowed me to be in that environment that I wanted to be in when I grew up. And, you know, I remember at one point going to a fire station nearby in Port Arthur, Texas. I went to a fire station and I just said, hey, can I just hang out here for a day? Like, I just want to be in this environment and I've got a video camera and I want to videotape what you guys are doing. Just let me be here. And they did. And they were so kind and Q, what I eventually ended up doing when I turned 16 and I got my driver's license, I kind of expanded that and um, and I would go chase stuff in the middle of the night. Uh, yes, I slept with my police scanner on, so I'd hear the tone out on the fire departments. But And and so I would go and I would videotape these things that were happening in our community, good and bad. And then I would go to our local TV station and I'd, I'd offer to sell for, I think at the time it was like $30 for a, ship, for a, a Tape, and they took it. Uh, you know, it was a small town TV station, so they were looking for any help they could get. And then they got smart. When when I uh, uh, had been around for a little bit, the, the 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 guys in charge came to me and said, "Hey, we're tired of paying you per tape, so why don't we just hire you as a part time tape editor?" Um, and that was my high school gig. I, I went to school after school. I went home, I changed, and then I went up to the TV station. And I cut tapes uh, for the evening newscast and on the weekends.
1: That is so interesting. You know, one of the things I was going to ask you, Rusty, is, wow, wouldn't it be interesting? What would would have happened if you'd come up, if you'd grown up in the the day of, you know, um, social media and where you could have just put that stuff out yourself, right? Absolutely. But actually, maybe it turned out better because you got it out. But and can I back you up a little bit? And you you don't have to answer this. You said you you wanted to go into law enforcement for personal reasons. Do you mind sharing what that was?
2: I you know every family uh, has some challenges, and we certainly had challenges in our family. Um, we weren't wealthy. We had members of our family who had mental health issues, drug alcoholism issues, and so the police were. In our area, a lot, and, and the police were at our home a lot, and and seeing that really inspired me to go into law enforcement, and maybe not even necessary law enforcement. I just wanted to be in in some sort of a role where I, where where I helped others, because police were it felt like always around us, helping us, and my family dealing with issues. I saw that from such a young age and just wanted to do the same thing for others. And who...
1: that, uh, yeah, that is inspiring for you to have come out of a difficult situation and found the people who, you know, you hear it all the time, find your helpers, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And, and you were a young person and, and you saw helpers and you identified it. What, a, what an insightful uh, thing for you to have recognized.
2: And for, and for that, Hugh, I will always have an appreciation in my heart for law enforcement and for firefighters and for paramedics and and anybody who who chooses a profession in which they go and give back and and help others who are in need. So that's that's certainly where where that's kind of where that all came from. And so yeah. the, the cameras and the police scanners and everything that was just to kind of be around them at the time. But it the the, the opportunities to become employed at the TV station happened after high school. I got offered a full-time job and I just stuck with it. That That's the story of how I got into TV.
1: Well, and I, it's an interesting too that, you know, your initial uh, instinct was to go become a helper like the helpers you'd seen. But, you know, as I watch you, it makes perfect sense to me. That seems to be the role you're serving. And not everybody who does what you do looks at it that way, but it, it comes across really clearly with you. And that-, well, that and-
2: and when I realized that there was an opportunity to still be around law enforcement, still to, to kind of be in that setting, but instead of getting my hands dirty with them and, and doing the hard work that they do, um, I, I learned that sharing their stories and sharing the stories of other people who need help were all equivalent. Um, and I don't mean equivalent like They've they've, they've got a much tougher job, a much more dangerous job.
1: A job of a journalist is pretty tough.
2: Well, at at the end of the day, what I love about being a journalist, and I just very sincerely believe that our responsibility as a journalist is to help others, to help our community in any way necessary. And and if at the end of the day, we've made somebody's life better, somebody's neighborhood better, we are making our community better, then we've done our job. And 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 there's heartbreaking stories to tell along the way, but there's so many, and this is what I love about BCS. There's so many just humanity, heart-filled, uh, fantastic stories to share here at home.
1: Yeah, there are. There really are. But and and that's a wonderful, optimistic outlook. But journalism is oftentimes also kind of cutting edge i mean there's you know as wonderful as our community is there are also things that go on here that aren't wonderful and and some things that are pretty wonderful and we can make even more wonderful so how do you how do you make the how do you create that balance between the hard edge journalist and the optimist person who's got a lot of gratitude and 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 things to share in that capacity as well
2: well, I think it's a team approach and, and it's the way you approach certain issues and topics. And and I know right now in our community here in the last few months, we've, we've had a lot of violence. There's a lot of gun violence and crimes that have happened. And so it's doing more than just giving you the news of the day and, and the headlines. And thankfully, I feel like our team at KBTX does this very well. Instead of just reporting, I'm going to use this for an example, instead of just reporting We've had a shooting here, a, a violent crime here, some burglaries here. Instead of just presenting that on a plate and then serving it to our audience, we take a step back and we go, okay, hang on. Why is this happening? You know, what is, wh- is there something that we're not seeing that's, that's the root cause of this? Uh, what is the police department doing about it? Are they uh, stepping up in, in ways that they need to? It, are it or is it something else? Is it something the city and the community, our churches? Is What's the reason all of this is happening? And so I, I think for, especially now, for journalists and TV stations and newspapers to remain relevant in this day and time where everybody's getting their information and news from different sources, we have to do more than just give you the, the headline. We've got to put some context around it. We've got to figure out and ask questions, whether it's something to do with COVID or it's crime or it's taxes and, and what you're worried about your money and putting food on the table. Right now, employment is a big issue here in our community. So it's it's going beyond just saying, hey, this is what's happening and and trying to figure out, number one, why? And then number two, what's the solution? You know, and and. We are very happy. Uh, KBTX, the one thing I'm proud of with our TV station is that we are very heavily invested in the community. We've been here more than 60 years. I've only been here six years, but it, I, you know, you get that sense that this TV station has a legacy and a history of making sure that we aren't just doing the news. We are helping to be part of the solution to make this, at the end of the day, a good place to live for everyone not just Aggies, not just people who grew up here, not for those who just moved here, but for everyone.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. You know, as somebody who grew up here, I've seen most of that history and KBTX has been, you know, there's other stations now, but that's a fairly recent development. Uh, And so through my life, KBTX has been you know, the news source for local information, well, The Eagle as well. But yeah, so it, and we're in a tough time for doing what you're talking about, right? Because things have become so polarized. And of course, you know, the one really some there's a lot of really hot button issues, as you say. But one of the really important ones going on now is the Black Lives Matter movement. And it's a tough one, right? Because we have a long history of 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 racial issues in our country. That's not it's not a good history. Right. And some of that, it's it, there is no part of our society in which it is not impacted by that issue, right? But we're so polarized, it's hard to have a discussion that helps create solutions, right? and And you know your KBTX and the media in general is kind of the platform for those discussions. How do we? How do? And, and I'm using that as an example because it's such a hot button issue. But mm-hmm. but there's a lot there's a lot of other examples. How do we create that platform where we overcome the partisanship and begin to have the kind of discussions that foster solutions?
2: Well, first, I would turn off the comments on Facebook.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I would suggest that you turn them off regardless. <laughs> I go there and read those comments, and I think that it would be hard. Oh,
2: uh, um, that would be that would that would be very helpful, but. Um, there's some great things about social media. We can talk about that later. But, you know, when it comes to something like Black Lives Matter or police injustice or even COVID, like COVID was a big, ended up being a big political issue, you know, where, where we can help is to make sure voices are heard and to make sure that we're, we're telling the stories of people here at home, Uh, why they feel a certain way about one thing, because Hugh, you're right. We we have a community here that is so, so supportive of law enforcement and we've got great law enforcement um, here, but there is such a significant number of people who live in Brazos County that I hear from all the time who feel like they're not treated fairly and that they're discriminated against. And it's not just one or two people. These are stories after stories after stories that I hear from our audience um, who open up to us and say, "It's not been right. We don't feel like it's right now, and we have to do something to to right that wrong. And you know, i I'm not going to pretend I know the the solution to everything, but but as a as a reporter and as a journalist, our role is to make sure that we're presenting both sides of it. And um, I'll give you a really good example of something that we did. Um, in fact we we just won uh, an arrow an Ed, Edward R Murrell award for that's it. a big one and and it was our coverage last year of the protest the solely statue protest on the Texas Am campus you know there were a couple of protests and um, uh, some of the football players showed up but then you had a lot of these um, aggies who drove in from out of town they they were there to protect the so here's one hot button issue where you've got two very passionate sides. Um, And, and the, the newscast where we won an award, we we sat down that afternoon where one of the biggest rallies uh, happened. Uh, It's, it's the one where one of the football players climbed up on top of the statue, held his fist up. And we said, okay, we, we divided it up. We, we put one reporter on, on those who support the Sully statue and want to keep it there. Then we had another reporter cover just those who want to take it down and why. And at the beginning of that newscast, we said, hey, there was another protest on campus today. Obviously, there's a lot of feelings out there. So what we're going to do in this newscast is provide you with an equal amount of time from both sides. So, We're not trying to convince one or the other somebody. What our role is, is to present you the facts, to to give you the opportunity to hear the other side. And our hope is, you know, again, the goal at the end of the day is to make this a better place for everyone. Our goal at the end of the day, and at the end of that newscast, is, is to hope that you at least take something away from hearing the perspective of somebody outside of your bubble no matter what side you're on.
1: Yeah, that's, a, that's really interesting. That, but, but it's also a dilemma, right? So we've come to this place, it seems, where any two people that create an argument, the fair thing to do is give them both equal time, right? Mm-hmm. It's, but sometimes, and I'll just use, an. I, I don't want to get into politics, so I'll use an absurd analogy. If you've got a kindergartner trying to make an argument for something against a school teacher, you don't necessarily want to provide equal you know, and, and I think in a lot of times, especially today but with, with what happens on social media, there's a lot of information that that can be verified and is verified as false and still goes forward. So do we give equal time when we can, when we can go out there and do the research and say, "We know this is not right?" The perspective thing, I think we have to provide perspectives. But once again, we, it, it also goes to the thing of we have small s- segments of society. They can be very loud about something, and so and they are presented as if they're, it, you know, it can become it can becomes very easy to present them as if sure. they're half of the community, right? So those are that's that's the tough part of your job. How do you it how is. do you do that?
2: And and it's that is actually a discussion we had last year when we were dealing with COVID, and you know, it it's so it feels like it was so long ago, but it was just last year, twelve months ago, where we all agreed. Covid. At one point, we all agreed COVID was a thing. And we all agreed it was scary. And we all agreed that we, we need to be taking all these precautions and, and lockdowns. But as you know, the, a couple of days and weeks later, um, that opinions started to form on how bad it was and how we should respond and how we should react one of the things that we had to talk about exactly what what you said, you know, do we give equal time to everyone for every issue? And there was, you know, at, at some point when the voices of those who felt that COVID wasn't really a thing, um, or it wasn't as bad as what doctors said it was, or they disagreed with what health experts were saying. Um, we had discussions where we had to sit there and say, okay, um, we can give equal time to those who feel this way, but is that a responsible thing to do? And and that's a difficult discussion to have in a newsroom where you've got people of all different ages, races, backgrounds, and 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 everybody's got their own opinions and, and to so and to so sit there and say, Hey, you know, we can give equal time to, to everybody on this one issue, or do we try to be more responsible? And instead of equal time, we, we go more with, what are the experts saying? And there were a lot of times where we had to sit there and say, okay, yes, we hear the loud voices over here who don't believe, who, who think COVID's a hoax. I mean, we had people who still say that today. Um, we didn't go
1: to the moon either, by the way.
2: Right. So, <laughs> you know, it, so should we give them the equal amount of time as Dr. Seth Sullivan when he gives his news conferences? Well, No. Um, You know, so that's that's a decision we made. That's a decision that we we encounter a lot when we have to sit here and think, Okay, you know, is it responsible to do that? And, you know, we hear those voices. We then have that responsibility to hopefully present the information in such a way that it helps to counter what we sometimes know is just just false. You know, another uh, just an extreme analogy, you you think of going back to the racial issues, uh, you know, and giving everybody a platform and giving everybody equal time, uh, when we're talking about, you know, equality here in America, would we give an equal amount of time to, you know, the the KKK, uh, on our television as as we would, um, uh, you know, a law enforcement group or our Black Lives Matter chapter, you know, no um it, it there's just certain it, there are certain times where we have to decide it's not fair to give everyone an equal amount of time because then it becomes dangerous and irresponsible and 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 we're and and at the end of the day it doesn't make this a better place
0: we will be right back after the short message are you worried about your parents home as they age in place Or are you a busy professional who just doesn't have the time for home maintenance? Sterns Home Care is here to help. Sterns Home Care is an annual home maintenance subscription that includes a multitude of things such as cleaning gutters, maintaining fixtures and appliances, changing light bulbs and batteries, checking and repairing weather stripping, and much more. A full spectrum of service is provided over six visits annually. Give us a call at 979-696-0524 or sign up on our website www. com slash homecare for a free home estimate.
1: Yeah, and that, and that's a you know it's an interesting thing. I mean, journalists to me, you know, it's uh, it's the fifth column. It's it's a it's a necess- You can't have democracy without responsible journalism, and journalism because of technology is changing so fast, and so we're having to. Reconceive of how we we provide that, and a lot of people in our country right now, and I think it's a problem. Don't view necess- don't view journalism as a necessary component of democracy, and 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 I see that as a is a huge problem that we need to overcome. If 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 it all becomes fake news, no matter what, just because they're not on the right team we're really in a tough point from a, from just the perspective of preserving democracy that, that, and we've had some really tough cases. And when we, it's not, it's it's new and being reconceived, but it's not totally new, right? So when the Pentagon Papers came out, for example, that was a really big issue for, for you know, those got published and that was a really big issue. And was that, you know, or were, was that treason or was that supporting, you know, information that should have been getting in the public? And so journalists have a really, really tough time All the time, and now as as the winds shift in terms of social media and all the things that are going on, and and just the general polarization of our country, it's it's really tough. And lots of times, those are kind of issues that are dealt with at kind of the you know the national press level, the Washington Post, New York Times kind of level. But I think it it's very valid for. KBTX too, right?
2: Absolutely. And, you know, social media and the internet, it, 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 it really did change how, how we do our job. You know, Hugh, you remember, and I'm, I'm sure you were like our family when we were growing up, you know, when the, the, the news would come on at six and 10 every night, and the family would gather around and, and, and we watched the 6 o'clock news or the 10 o'clock news. That's where you got your information of the day. And, and when I was in a newsroom, and even in the mid and late 90s, we would work all day on stories that we would package up, put a bow on, and it was ready to go for the evening news, which everybody watched. And, you know, and that was great. But we now live in a time where people expect uh, their news now. And, and they want answers now and they want the facts now. And so one thing that we've had to adjust to over the last several years is trying to make sure that uh, things that show up on Facebook and, and the Internet and YouTube that require some, some some digging is done as quickly as possible and as accurately as possible. And, and a lot of times that isn't satisfactory for our audience Um, but we, we realize now it's, it's, it's something that we have to do. And that's the benefit of having your, your local newspaper, your local radio station, and and your local TV station. I still look at us as we're, we're the final, uh, fact checkers for something. There's, there's so much that's available immediate access on the internet. You you look at something that's posted. I get tagged every day in stuff on Facebook, uh, from videos to photos, and it's somebody saying, oh, look at this. Look, at somebody did something wrong. Um, In fact, Hugh, I'll give you an example. Last week, I don't know if you or your audience saw or heard about this, but last week, there was an arrest of a bicyclist on Northgate, on Texas Avenue. And immediately, I got tagged in a video showing a local police officer um, essentially tackling this bicyclist to the ground and arresting him. Okay. There's no context around that video. What did the bicyclist do before the right. cell phone started recording? What happened afterwards? Why was he being, why was he being arrested? Why was he being chased? You know, there's, there's all these questions that that should be asked, but they weren't answered before people started sharing that video it immediately making Assumptions about what happened,
1: and of course, some people were answering those questions without the information necessary to answer them.
2: Exactly, and a lot of assumptions. As that video starts circulating on Twitter, it's now had, I think, more than a hundred thousand views on Twitter, and and people are writing comments and and saying he got he got arrested because he was jaywalking, or the the officer was too rough, or they didn't have to tase him. You know, a lot of opinions that are being thrown out there. Okay. So that's happening. I think that I think I first got tagged on that video around two or three in the afternoon. So I look at the video, I see that it's starting to share, 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 share. It's getting circulated. So immediately I reach out to College Station Police, uh, give them our, our media officer a heads up. I said, Hey, you guys, there's a video going around, just giving you a heads up. You you probably are gonna have to respond to this. And we, you know, back in the day, that that was something that we could, we could look at sit on, go talk to the police department, go to try to find witnesses, try to put all the pieces together. But in the day of digital and social media, we, we have to do that now and as quickly as possible. Uh, so... Thankfully, we've got a great relationship with College Station Police, who message message us right back. You know, one of the things that they were they were falsely saying online is that it was a Texas A and M police officer who tased him because they were on Northgate. You know, it's just little details like that. The internet was spreading that video with no context, inaccurate information, and really no no uh, information that was helpful other than other than just say oh, look, there's an officer who's doing something wrong. That, that, was, that was it. We, we later got that information, some contact, and that's when we, we pushed that story out and it provided some of the, the answers to why. You know, why did this happen? Why did the officer use his taser? What's going to happen next? You know, that, that was an important piece of the, the post that was being shared is an explanation from police saying, hey, anytime an officer uses a taser, it's an audit, it, it, it triggers this automatic review with the agency um, that it will be investigated, everything's gonna be taken. It, it, there's, there's so many other pieces to that one 12 second video clip that was shared. And that's where the benefit of your local media comes in because we're able to take that and at least give you a little bit more better idea, and a little bit more of an accurate idea of what happened and that sometimes, not always, but it sometimes helps to to douse the flames that are that are out there and to stop some of the misinformation that's being spread. And that's one of our biggest challenges right now, Hugh is is just having social media and the ability to share content on social media with misinformation or the wrong context or not enough context of, of what's actually happening, and that's where I still feel like one of our most important roles are is, is to swoop in, come behind that, and say, okay, let's figure out actually what's going on, Let, what, you know, and, and let's ask questions, let's make sure we ask all the right questions. And if something is wrong, and, and and somebody did do something wrong, well, we then we're the we're the watchdogs that make sure that people are held accountable. You know, people in power are being thoroughly investigated. You know, if if they did in fact do something wrong, you know, as the proper punishment being right and
1: know. right? Hopefully, we'll find yeah. And, and that's one of the concerns that we all have. I, like you, I I have a very positive. Um, perspective of both the Bryan and College station police department. And like you, I've also heard stories of people who didn't feel like they had that. And I know that they have a different context and, and that that can happen. And what we want to have is an ability for us to say, yeah, we can improve things. Our police departments are good and we can get even better. Um, and, and I think that, but it's an interesting thing, you know, the whole thing with the video and and social media, it just plays out large because on the one hand, we're learning a lot about the things that need to be fixed in our country relative to policing, because we now have video that's available. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, just like you were saying, video placed without context is problematic. And then, and then we've got this other thing where, you know, lots of times context doesn't matter because people have made up their mind ahead of time. Right. Right. And so we've, we we, one of the things, and I don't know that journalism has a, a, a place in this. It has always for me. I mean, you know, I, I, in addition to KBTX and the Eagle, I also read other national papers every day. And one of the reasons I do that, because it sharpens your critical thinking. Uh, Journalists are really good at critical thinking and bringing out things that you might not have thought about or didn't know about. But how do we, how do we, is there a role for journalism to play in this polarized world of helping people transcend their Issues, whatever they are, to understand the broader context, because we're it's, it just feels like we're losing an awful lot of that ability that we've, we're, we're we're suffering in a failure of critical thinking in our country, and and I, it seems to me that journalism does have a role to play there, but then you get the eye that then somebody's going to come back and say, well, yeah, that's yellow journalism, yeah, right? Yeah.
2: Well, and yeah, the I, I always I always um, like. Looking at the reaction from people when when I tell them, after, they'll, they'll, I, we have people. Thankfully, we have some great loyal KBTX viewers, and I've had I've had people come and say, "That's all we watch. All we do is watch KBTX. That's where we get all of our news from." And and my response always is, "You you shouldn't do that. You you know me personally. When I get up in the morning, I listen to NPR newscast, uh, and I've got Good Morning America playing in the background." um, when I'm on my way to work, uh, usually it's on the local radio station. Um, I would listen when, when he was alive, Rush Limbaugh, uh, on WTAW. And, um, in the afternoon, I've got CNN in the background playing behind me. When I get home, I'll watch, um, either Tucker Carlson, um, every now and then I'll flip over to MSNBC. I have a subscription to the New York Times. I read the Eagle. I the, the the idea here is I'm I'm getting information from all over, okay? Doesn't matter who I believe in or where my political ideology is. I think one of the healthiest things that any citizen can do is to mix up their source of news. If you're just watching all KBTX, God bless you and thank you. <laughs> um, but I would also recommend picking up the newspaper, logging on to Fox News, read what they are saying, and, and go check out the BBC. Download and listen to an NPR newscast. Uh, mix it up.
1: Yeah, I think especially that the thing with the foreign journalism. I read a few the the, the Guardian, the BBC. I read a few other. And, and the the view of of our country from outside our country is significantly different than the view. Inside
2: our country, and it's it's one of the it's it's one of the best ways you can you can really get a good idea of what's happening here in our country is to listen to what other people think or or what other people how other countries or other media outlets view what's happening here because then you get a whole different perspective. Right here, we got it feels like you you're either Team CNN or you're Team Fox News, and you got to be one or the other. Um, But but there's a whole other. Uh, perspective that's out there um, and and you know what I Hugh I wish I could say that every journalist could be trusted and every report that you see out there is a non-biased report but we know that's not true and 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 I don't like it and I, I'll be very honest with you i I just hate the idea that we have um, these talk shows especially in prime time that look and feel and sound like a newscast and I'm talking about, CNN and MSNBC and Fox News—I'm talking about them all. They will—they will make and sound. They'll, they'll present these these shows that are opinion shows, which are great. That's fine. But they—but but in they the
1: context look, of objective journalism, which it's not—they not. they
2: don't look and sound any different than what you would watch it one in the afternoon. And right. I have an issue with that. That's—I think people. There's—it's really hard nowadays to differentiate the 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 talking heads and what is supposed to be a real traditional non-biased newscast where it's just facts.
1: Yeah. And, and the fact is is it's part of the critical thinking that you know there's a there are studies and, and, and with fairly objective ways, you know, they they there's different uh, ways to to measure it, but the amount of correct information that different sources provide is trackable. And that information is out there available to people. Of course, people don't, you know, if you're a Fox news person or an MSNBC person, you, you don't want to hear that, that they're not always very accurate. Uh, it, it, nor does the, the fact that they're not always as accurate as you'd want them to be reason not to also include them in your, well-balanced diet of, of news. Yeah. The, um, and, and this is the kind of stuff, Rusty, that I just love talking about. I could go on and on, but I want to get, I, I need to go back because we want to get to know you a little better. And it's good to know on these important ideas of journalism, but, um, you got us to the point where, uh, uh, you were a, a newscaster. When did, what year did you get here?
2: I arrived in 2015.
1: Uh huh. And so you were offered because you, you had been at the, it was were you at the Red Cross immediately before that.
2: So I, I'll give you a quick timeline of where I've gone. So af- after high school, I graduated. I got a job in my hometown, uh, at the TV station there. After that, I went up to uh, Tyler, Texas. I lived in Longview, worked in a bureau there. Uh, after that, it was Raleigh, North Carolina, and then I went to Las Vegas. Um, th- that whole time, Hugh, that, uh, I was a camera guy, I, and that's that's my passion. I love photography, video editing. That's that's what I enjoy doing. When I was in Las Vegas, I got a call from a friend of mine who said, hey, I'm starting up a Fox affiliate in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Uh, if you come back here, I will help you get on air. I'll train you and do everything we need to do to, to get you to be a reporter if you just help me kind of start up this newsroom. So I did that, stayed some time in Louisiana. Uh, came back to Texas, went to Oklahoma City. I got offered a job in Oklahoma City in 2007 and stayed there for seven years. In the middle of that seven-year stint in Oklahoma City, um, I took took one year off to go work for the American Red Cross, just again to get more experience of helping people and boots on the ground. and, And after that, I got back into TV. And when I got back into TV is when I got offered the job here I had an agent at the time who said uh, I told her I, I need I need to get back home closer to Texas because my parents are getting older um, and I want to see my my nieces and nephews um, she said okay well there's there's a I had I was up for a job in San Antonio and she but she said hey hang on there's there's this job in Bryan Texas College Station what do you know about that place I said you know A&M that's, <laughs> that's <about laughs> all it's all about all I know she goes okay well Take, take a few days, go drive down there. The general manager was Mike Wright um, at the time, and, and he wanted to talk to me. And so I came down here, met with Mike Wright. He drove me around. We had lunch at Christopher's World Grill, and we had a fantastic interview. He really sold me on the fact that the station's the station for Bryan College Station. Um, They've been around for a long time. They're owned by a great company. Um, and there was a lot of Community commitment to the station. You know, we we do a lot of community projects, the the food for families food drive, and and uh, we're really big in, in a bunch of nonprofits in town. Just a great overall feeling. Uh, I spent a couple of days here, driving around, meeting people. Um, you know, going out to eat to all the the you know the places you should go when you're in town. And uh, man, I just fell in love with it. I. It, Houston, Beaumont—that's my home. This is close enough to it that I still feel like I'm at home. Um, but I'm—I'm I'm living and residing in a place that just feels good. We're a growing, we're a—we're a thriving community with a lot of good people, and I just couldn't be happier. Uh, you know, I signed a two-year contract when I came here. I'm now on year six, <laughs> so <laughs> I've, I've I've told uh, I've told my boss and all them. I said, look, yeah, you may have to kick me out of here if you want me to leave. So uh,
1: I don't think anybody wants you to leave, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> this is, you know, I've I've traveled the country, I've worked in other TV markets, so I've got that out of my system. Um, I'm at, I'm at a point. I'm 42 now, and I'm at a point now where settling down in a community that's good at, at a TV station that's not sensational, that, that, really does care about its community. Um, it all just fits, you know, everything that I've looked for, that, that checkbox, you know, has, has it's happened here in Bryan college station. So, um, so, so here I am. That's, yeah. Uh,
1: great. I'm glad uh, you love the community. Like we do the, uh, it, it really is important, uh, that, uh, you know, as a designer, we're really focused on a connection to sense of place. And that happens in in home. It also happens at a larger scale in your sense of place to your community. And, and having a community that has a sense of place uh, is really important.
2: It's quality quality of life. And I try to tell a lot of our, our younger reporters who want to get in here and rush off to Dallas or Houston or, you know, someplace bigger, you know, don't, don't, it's not always greener on the other side. I promise you. Like, there's something to be said about this community and, and it's, uh, and, and the quality of life here.
1: Yeah. So do you have, um, do you have time when you're not working? I mean, it seems like, you know, we turn on the television and there you are. Uh, so it seems to us like you're permanently in the box, right? But you must have some, what do you do in your spare
2: time? Uh, spare t- when I give some free time, um, I'm not a big air traveler. I, I, I don't like heights. I don't like airplanes. So do road traveling. Um, I go home a lot to see my folks. Um, I, I, I try to relax as much as possible. Um, honestly, like a perfect day for me is just sitting on the couch, watching TV, ordering some Howie's pizza, you know, and, and just, and just having a relaxed day. Um, I do take time. I, I get asked a lot, you know, you're, you're always working, you're always working. Well, it's, it's easy to work when you can do everything just with this. So, but, but I, I for me, just I, lo- I just relax. That's it. Um, uh, finding little state parks or road, you know, day trip type stuff um, across Texas is uh, that's that's my idea of just. That's good. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. The, um, so as we think about our community and and we think about our community with love, what can we do as a community? Uh, you know, you're in your role as a journalist. I'm in my role as a business owner, and we've all got a role in community. Hopefully, we want people to feel connected to community. What can we do to make Brian College Station even better? What should we be thinking about to 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 you know draw to progress our community?
2: Well, I think one thing that we're gonna we're gonna have to figure out. We're we're not slowing down. We're not going backwards. This is a growing community. Um, Bryan College Station is on the map and it's an attractive place for a lot of families to move to. Texas A&M is growing. The Rellis campus is opening up a whole bunch of new doors. It, this w- We're going to continue to grow. And with that, as you know, there's, there's growing pains that come with that. So I think w- we will be good as long as we are all on the same page and, and we all are having those conversations right now on how to tackle those growing pains. Um, the price of affordable housing for people um, is a really important thing right now that I think we just, we can't put that off any, any, any longer. Um, making sure that, that affordable housing is available. Uh, transportation is just uh, always going to be an issue that I think we're going to have to deal with um, expanding our roads and and looking at um, ways to make it safer to get from point A to point B uh, in a town that continues to just quickly expand. You know, as, as long as we're, and and I, I mean people get i feel like sometimes that uh they've got that Bryan pride or college station pride or texas a&m pride for me it's it and i don't know if maybe it's just cuz i'm an out, outsider who came in but but this is one community and and i think moving forward and and we do a good job of it now but continuing to to look at this as one great community that a lot of people are just Looking to, to come here and call home um, as long as we're all working together to meet the needs of everybody who's here and everybody who's coming and to take pride in everything that's happening at Texas A&M and not look at students as a nuisance or, or an issue or, you know, it the, the town is called College Station, you know, so, you know, embracing the Aggies and what they bring to the table and, and what that school does for this community and all the uniqueness and, and just creativity that flows out of Bryan and downtown Bryan and, and that. And then you look at College Station and just things that are going up in the development here and the midtown, uh, uh, you know, downtown area that they're they're hoping to put off Highway 6. You, putting all of that together, this is just going to be one Hell of a place to live.
1: <laughs> it, is, it is. It is a one hell of a place to live. And, and, and as someone who grew up here, you know, it's interesting to hear you talk like that because, it, you know, it, it's just putting it into the context. My context is like, well, no, Brian is different than Colley Station. Yeah and, yeah. and A&M is different than Brian and Colley Station. But they are also it's it's like, you know, they. I want them to have separate personalities. Yes. That, that fit together. It's a family, right? So it, it you know, all of those things are a fa- are a family, and it's and then sometimes it's a not a functional family. Sometimes it's a little dysfunctional. You know, the sure. university doesn't always pay enough attention to what's happening with the cities, and you know we want to try to get A and to be more of a partner sometime doesn't mean we don't love a and
2: No, right? no. Well, and that's what I talk about when I say you, you have these growing pains. And, and to answer your question, I think one of the things that we're just going to have to do as we continue growing, because it's not going to stop anytime soon, is, is just to make sure everybody's got a seat at the table. Yeah, and, exactly. you know, Francis County, our, our neighboring counties as well. Uh, there's a lot that they can bring to the table. But as long as we're all working together in one big community, I agree with you, though. Like, I I love having friends come in from out of town and I'll take them to campus and they'll ooh and ah campus and the, the George Bush Library. And then we go to downtown and we spend an evening in downtown Bryan and they ooh and ah. Uh, and then we go through College Station and show them, you know, and, and they're, they, they are amazed at just everybody's got like their own identity. um, But it's one place that we call home. And that's what I love. And I think as long as we keep doing what we're doing and and making sure everybody's taken care of, we will have a very um, good place to call home for a long time.
1: Well, Rusty, thank you very much for spending some time. Uh, you know, everybody sees you and knows you to some degree, but it's it's really nice to kind of dig in and see how you think about some things and where you came from and whatnot. So we really appreciate you sharing your story with us today. Thank um,
2: you. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. This You're my first podcast that I've done. Oh, great. A lot of things. <laughs> uh, great. This, this was exciting.
1: Yeah, well, it's exciting for us too. Like I say, you know, uh, KBTX, for those of us who've lived here very long and, and, and those of you who work there is, is such a huge part of, of, you know, of who our community is. It's kind of it is the beacon that lets us all know how we have commonality. Yeah. Um, and,
2: and we don't take that for granted. I, Hugh, I would tell you right now, we, we have um, we have a very good sense of of our role in this community. And the things that we do on a daily basis, there's always, we may not make everybody happy all the time, but, but there's always a discussion behind the reasons we do certain things. And at the end of the day, it's the community's best interest at our heart. And we know we're a big elephant in the room and we don't, we don't take that responsibility lightly. I I promise you.
1: Well, as somebody who can sometimes be a curmudgeon about people not expressing our community the way we want them to, I've always been grateful for KBTX. And I think that KBTX, even before you and and, and continuing through you, has always had that real strong sense of community.
2: Well, we'll do it for another six years.
1: (laughs) There you go. Okay. Thank you very much, Rusty.
2: Thank you, Hugh. It's been a pleasure.
1: All right. Bye-bye.
2: Bye.